With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This crowd rises to its feet. Hakaro slammed it home. Garland left wing, three ball. Perfect. Garland went of the lane, locked the Mobley, pow. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow with the left hand and a foul. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Chase Down is presented by Fubo, the official streaming partner of the Cavs. Watch over 350 channels of live sports and TV, including Bally Sports Ohio without cable. There's no cost and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com slash Cavs. The Cleveland Cavaliers pulled out a gritty win over the Toronto Raptors, which you know puts me in a good mood. Anytime we can beat Toronto, I feel a whole lot better. It's been a little while since we've had a podcast. My apologies for that. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. And joining me today to discuss the Cavs play as of late is my co-host Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Doing better. Uh, apologies. Uh, it, you can put the lack of a uh, pod in the last week uh, pretty squarely on my shoulders as uh, COVID just really knocked me out. It was just just a little too hard. I was a little too sick, um, you know, and Thanksgiving and all that fun stuff. So, um, uh, obviously very, very glad to come away with the win. Uh, probably more importantly for you, you know, like it, it's, it, you're a bear to manage after a Raptors loss. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I really think for the pod, uh, this is, this is a dub. Yeah, the, we are. I guess we got to kind of cover the last four games because uh, it has been a two and two stretch since the Cavs uh, last uh, or since we last did a podcast. And when you look at these four teams, Sixers, Heat, Lakers and Raptors, if you were going to tell me you can only pick two wins there, it would be the Sixers and Raptors. Let's be honest that that is for my agenda. That's exactly who it would be. Uh, the Miami game, I, I think we we correctly identify that as a schedule loss. I don't think it needed to look as bad as it did, but sometimes those games can snowball. Uh, Lakers one, I think we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, but I definitely do want to start off with this Raptors game because I'll, I'll be honest, Carter. I think this is the weirdest start to a Cavs season that we've had to kind of cover uh, on the podcast because. It isn't a year where, you know, the team, you know, dealing with some injuries, that's not thing necessarily new, but it's not like they're beating all the bad teams and then not coming away with any impressive wins. They've had real quality wins against some of the best teams in the league, and it just has still been so uneven. And, and we know, obviously, there is context to all of this. There's been injuries and whatnot. Um, but even within the, the games itself, it seems like we will go through quarters where the Cavs are playing within the flow of the offense. The ball's moving great. You have a dynamic offensive performance. And then you'll have stretches where that just doesn't happen. And to me, it's so unique because you would think, okay, we have something that's been working, that we've had success against the best teams in the league. You'd think, you know, you could stick with it a little bit more than they have. But inconsistency really has been the story to start the season. Yeah, it's funny. You said that, and I was like, that's not true. This team is always so weird. And and then I did... It is important to note that we started midway through 2017. Um, though I would <laughs> argue the beginning of 2018 was pretty weird. We started the season with Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade and Jay Crowder in the starting lineup. There was a 16-game um, winning streak in there, Carter. Don't you forget. Yeah, so strange. Uh, so... While we hated it the whole time, that's how you know how that team was was busted. It wasn't good while they were winning, you know, double digits in a row. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it, it's certainly been odd. And I think it's because last year they were beat up too, but I feel like, I feel like when they were healthy, they were healthy, you know, like when they had guys out there, they were pretty much good enough to play and you didn't see them being particularly limited. I think, you know, like Darius gets hurt with the eye injury, but once he comes back, he's pretty good, you know? Um, whereas this year, you know, (laughs) yeah, you know, like it feels like when guys come back, they're still really working their way back. Um, you feel a just a general lack of connectedness. Like I, I, I don't know. In a weird way, I just feel like it's a team that still doesn't know who they are, mm-hmm. you know. And like, I guess your mileage may vary on how upsetting that is to you, yeah. uh, depending on who you are. Because like to some extent, like they absolutely should know who they are. They they brought back the vast majority of their core. Um, you know, they added plug and play type of players like Niang and Struess, who should be able to fit in any system. And yet it just feels like they don't know, which is why when it's going well, it feels so good. You watch the way they fought against Philly, the way they, the way they really took it to Denver. Uh, it feels really, really great. And then when you watch the end of that Lakers game, which, you know, I think you and I were more down about than just about it any game this season, which is funny because a six point loss to the Lakers is not generally, you know, uh, should not be like a woe inducing loss. Yeah. I I think, I think that's probably the real symptom is when the team is playing connected and has a purpose, it feels really, really good. And they feel really, really dominant. And then sometimes they just like kind of forget who they are. You watch that second quarter tonight and, you know, J- you know, uh, Jared and the post game talked about JB kind of challenging them to play team basketball. They just kind of stopped running sets for like seven straight minutes. Yeah. Um, I think it was like seven field goals made and six turnovers in the second quarter. Um, but then, you know, like, a, but then it's weird because, you know, a guy like Struess completely catalyzes them in the third quarter, you know, scores 20 points in the quarter, which is ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous, but like not just becoming a flamethrower. He was making unbelievably smart plays, back cuts, really strong playmaking. And it's like, oh, there you are. That's who we are. Do that. More of that. And they kind of held on to that enough to, uh, you know, win that quarter by 12. And then, you know, obviously uh, eventually win the game by three overall. So I, I feel like they're I feel like they're figuring it out, but it's not been linear at all. And I think that's part of why it feels so weird. Part of why it's been so frustrating. Yeah. I I think this stretch of the season feels a lot like January of last year where guys are coming back, but you can tell, right? Like that, that they're not a hundred percent. Obviously, you know, Jared Allen is still on a minutes restriction. Uh, Karis Laverne and Donovan Mitchell are, are working their way back. Uh, Mitchell, I think, clearly didn't look like himself uh, tonight. Four of seventeen from the field. Uh, Karis Lavert, six of nineteen over his last two games. Right, like they're they're trying to find a rhythm. And the funny thing is, we're used to when a team is integrating a major piece after the trade deadline that there's a rough patch, right? That there's going to be bumps along the road. It's the same thing when guys are out from injury, and especially if they're coming back and they're not a hundred percent that's going to have an impact. So it may simply be that this is a team that needs continuity, that they need to get healthy and to stay healthy for a stretch and they will find their rhythm. But that's not really interesting from a podcast perspective. Like I I think our listeners are diehard sickos of the Cavs. They know all the context. They know that Darius has been holding a shooting hand all year and seems to be struggling, dribbling and grabbing the ball. Right. And and he's clearly playing through something. He's got the neck injury. Like they're aware of all the context. So that's why I want to like focus on what actual takeaways are here. We understand some of the contributing factors. Uh, to why they're playing this way. But you're right. Like it, it comes down to consistently executing. And again, the second half against the Lakers, the, the first half the Cavs had a 129 offensive rating. The ball was zipping around. That was one of the most fun halves of basketball I've seen because Anthony Davis and LeBron James were playing at a ridiculously high level. Yes, there were times where there were lapses defensively. Uh, there was times where they could have provided better defense at the point of attack and and limited penetration. But there was also times where it was great defense and great shot making. 
And I felt like the Cavs were holding their own against there. And obviously no Darius for the second half, but the offensive rating dropped from 129 to 84.6 in the second half. And it just felt like they weren't trying to run their stuff during that stretch. And it's just so funny to see, you know, having success running the offense, running what you have going on against some of the best teams in the league. And the true test and I think we got to give ourselves a little bit of a pat on the back uh, because we identified this before the season. It's great that they're doing this. It's great that we saw it in preseason, but whether they stick with it when things aren't going well, when the shots aren't dropping and you know, whether they revert back to, all right, I'm going to try to bail us out. That's the true test is how you execute and, and whether or not you fall back into bad habits when adversity strikes. Yeah. Ultimately like you have to have a belief system. You have to have, you, you watch all these other great teams and you know, you even felt it with the Lakers. Like they had such a plan for how they were going to score down the stretch. And like when, when your plan is, you know, dribble into a pull-up mid-range shot that's contested, like that just doesn't feel good. That's just not, I just don't think the, the, the Cavs or really almost any team are going to be at a talent level where like they don't have the top end talent to consistently get clean looks that way mm. that are high percentage, high points per possession shots. So like you have to have something you believe in that you can run that can generate you an advantage, you know? Um, and uh, I, I definitely want to see that, you know, yeah. fr- fr- from this team. But like to your point about like them just needing time it there is like it is important that they figure things out enough in the meantime yeah. you know cuz this is a team with expectations so like yeah you might not thrive the first i don't know trimester of the season but you need to survive and like that's why i'm just so freaking pleased with what max struess is doing for this team mm. um because he is in so many ways kind of emblematic of like, okay, this isn't going well, but I'll figure it out. You know, I'll, I'll get them. I'll get us where we need to be. I'll make winning plays when I have to, I'll leak out when I have to. And it's just really, really encouraging to see him kind of be an anchor for this team. When like, I just kind of didn't think that was going to be who he was going to be for us. I thought he was going to be the catalyst that takes us over the top not not the floor raiser for us or like maybe his floor raising would be more in the plays you don't see but like he's been so important for this team's ability just to stay competitive while they figure things out yeah he really has and you know you got to give credit uh, as much as people roll their eyes at heat culture uh you got to give credit to you know instilling the work ethic in a guy like max Struess. but at the same time you got to give him credit too. Like I, the, the thing I didn't like about the conversation of, well, is it going to continue when he leaves Miami is that's implying that he doesn't have that drive individually, that he needs someone to hold him accountable in order to play at that level. And that's very clearly not the case. Like when things aren't going well, he's out there making a difference. And I think one of the encouraging things that you've seen from the start of the season is one of the big questions we had is when you have Mobley and Allen out there, are you able to continue to generate the kind of movement and have the spacing that you want? And it really feels like when Max Struess is out there, you don't feel the fact that the Cavs have two bigs that aren't going to stretch the ball out to three, right? Like there's such good movement. His actions with Mobley have such gravity. And in the clutch, the fact we see saw in both of these games, back-to-back in the clutch where, all right, you hit Mobley or Allen on the short roll and they're throwing a lob to the other one on the dunker spot because there's just no way to really properly defend that action with the amount of gravity that he draws in those situations. So for him to not only have that 20-point quarter uh, and, and get the Cavs back on track, but the 11 rebounds, the five assists, right? Like it's it's the variety of ways that he's contributing that, that really moves me. And the other thing is, like, for as frustrating and uneven as the start to the season has been, this is the type of game that the Cavs lose the majority of the time. Second night of a back-to-back, playing one of the last teams that you'd want to play on the second night of a back-to-back in Toronto, it's an incredibly physical game. You know that Toronto is going to be 
pounding you. They're going to be physically assertive throughout the entire game. And you only get three free throws that weren't the result of a tech or intentional fouls while Toronto shoots 29. That's the type of thing that would cause the Cavs to lose composure in the past. And yeah, there were times where they complained, they got frustrated and whatnot. But the shot's not falling. You have an atrocious second quarter offensively. You're not getting to the line. You're not getting the fouls. Uh, You're frustrated at how physical they're being uh, defensively against you. That's the type of thing that would spiral in the past. And the fact that they showed composure, they didn't lose focus when the Toronto made a run and and made it a game at the end. All of that is is really, really encouraging. And um, like you mentioned, Jared Allen saying that JB challenged them to play better team basketball in the second half. The fact that they came out there and executed and did play better team basketball, again, that's one of those little things that you want to look for when you are trying to determine is this team going to find consistency? Are they still believing in what they have going on? There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. When you shout out the little things they did at the end of the game, one thing that really comes to mind for me right away was Jared Allen's closeout on the switch on Gary Trent Jr. in the corner. Um, Trent catches the ball with a minor advantage, and Jared knows he has to jump because Gary Trent Jr. is one of the best quick-trigger three-point shooters in the NBA. So he jumps, but he closes out perfectly on balance and about a foot or two short of the three-point line doesn't put himself in danger of fouling Trent but he it's a balanced respectful contest to deter a shot attempt but still put himself in position to shut the water off after Trent pump fakes and tries to get something better and like that's the kind of thing that I think, you know, and Brad already mentioned it on the broadcast. He goes, that, you know, there, I think it was John Michael. That's a seven footer right there. And Mm -hmm. I think what goes unsaid in that is a lot of seven footers are not in control on that kind of closeout. No, no. And I I just really appreciated that play. I really appreciated Jared Allen's game. Obviously, nine of 10 from the field looks nice, but you might look at only four rebounds and think, oh, he didn't have a particularly impactful game. I, I thought he was really, really good tonight. I've just been super pleased in general with the play of the bigs over this last week and a half of play. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think that the bigs have been one of the bright spots. And like I, I'm not going to lose my mind uh, over Allen having you know four rebounds in, in his 26 minutes when Mobley's out there pulling in 14 and Struess is pulling in 11, right? Like it's 59 or it's 50 to 49 uh, in, in terms of rebounding between the Raptors and the Cavs. That's fine. Like it, it, it's one of those things where I care more about team assists and I care more about team rebounds than the individual. And you know, for for Mobley, um, I, I think Mobley is is a prime example. Of what I was talking about where you could have got frustrated that you know you're you're taking it to the rack, you're you're feeling contact, but you're you're not getting to the free throw line. He still was competing throughout this night. Like he was out there, uh, had a massive, massive block. Uh, I believe it was on Trent uh, and got it uh, off of his lap down the stretch. 
um like he, he just stuck with it and the fact that he was getting those uh those rebounds the, the assist the playmaking and and still being such a part of the offense I, I thought was really really encouraging and the two-man game between those two is just still so good like I I think sometimes the Cavs take their presence for granted when they're both out there on the court and you don't see as sharp of focus on, on the point of attack uh, on the perimeter defensively because both of them are out there but when everybody's locked in when when Garland's competing when Mitchell's competing Struess is out there always competing and they're doing a good job on the perimeter then the defensive integrity is there and and I think this is a team that can defend at a really really high level and we've seen that in stretches but I I definitely do feel like sometimes we will put them out on an island just because there isn't that point of attack defense that you'd like to see yeah, absolutely. And they also, it also opens them up for those offensive boards. You know, they already don't have the best frames for that kind of stuff. And, you know, a guy like Jakob Pertl is just so good at digging in when you have to take a step away to go help on a Pascal Siakam drive. I mean, this is a hard matchup for this Cavs team. Yeah. Um, I, I know just, exactly the play you're talking about there, the the little inside pass. Like, and yeah. I, I saw it coming before. I was like, Jared's going to have to help, and then we're going to get back cut. Yeah, they're just they're just such a big team uh, at every position. They're so physical, they're so tough, and it's really really hard to have guys like Darius and Donovan, even Max. You know, like Max was smaller than every other player he guarded tonight. Yeah, um, they had Darius guarding OG Ananobi, who's six nine for much of the game, uh, and that rim pressure is pretty relentless. So I th- I thought that they really did put it together a really nice defensive game. Uh, together and then on the offensive end yeah it just does feel like that big to big passing is is clicking again uh and i think it all comes i think a big part of that is because of this team uh and those two bigs have been so much more assertive in attacking in the mid-range and on the short roll as a scoring threat you know yeah. like i i think it's really important to not have the the big to big pass be the default play because you know teams start reading that and it, it it stops being there. So you have to make them step up to you. But and when they do, like that that play is gonna be there because even if you know a guy like Siakam is guarding Mobley in the dunker spot, like if Mobley has a step, Mobley's just way bigger and way more athletic than most fours that are gonna be in that spot, and you're gonna get a clean look as a result. Yeah. And, and I, I like that Mobley's starting to take more of the pull-ups and, and the little mid-range shots. It's encouraging to see. Uh, he had a deep one against the Lakers. I, I just want to continue to see more of that. But, you know, that's that positive progression, right? Like none of none of how this looks at the start of the season matters. It's where you get to when you're ready for the playoffs and in the playoffs, right? Like that that is the goal. That is the standard for this team. And frankly, like I'm just not interested in talking macro a whole lot when it comes to the Cavs because we, we got to figure out the present. Like we, we've got to iron out all of this stuff and... Um, one guy that that I think definitely deserves a shout out is Darius Garland, um, who, you know, through this stretch with, with Donovan out and, and, and Karras out, uh, getting some significant wins. I think he's been a massive part of that. And he was huge tonight as well. 24 points, 8 assists, plus 12 on the night uh, from a plus minus standpoint, which definitely uh, matched the eye test. And I do got to say one thing. Uh, obviously, you know, he's been playing through this finger injury. He's had a, a wrap on it. Uh, or, or hand injury, I should say, but now the fingers wrapped. Um, he's been dealing with the sore necks in Sacramento, re-aggravated against the Lakers. I've cut him some slack because of that when, when it comes to, all right, he very clearly doesn't have the same confidence gripping the ball, the, the sloppy turnovers that are uncharacteristic. He's not taking as many threes. He took six of them tonight. He took six of them tonight, and he took some step-back threes, which means, all right, the confidence is starting to come back there, you got to start taking them now. You cannot let teams off the hook and not punish them every single time they go under. We need to see the Darius that we saw in preseason taking 12 threes per 36. That, that was just firing away. I think it was very clear that was the mentality uh, coming into the year. And he had the hamstring injuries, had the hand injury and, and a whole bunch of things going on. It's understandable. I think it's commendable that he's been out there finding ways to still be effective, getting to the free throw line and whatnot. But this style of play where he's not taking threes and he's going to the line and trying to initiate contact against guys like Anthony Davis, 
it's going to kill him. <laughs> like, like it's just going, You, it's not sustainable over an 82 game season. And I love that he's added that to his game. But in order for the Cavs to reach their maximum potential and be the best version of this team, I think it's very clear Darius needs to be initiating more in the half court relative to what we saw at the start of the season. And he needs to be out there pulling from three. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, obviously you want to see the turnovers continue to go down. You know, I thought uh, the the Philly game uh, was probably his best control of the game game. Uh, even though, you know, the, the, the touch on the shot started to go a little bit by the end. But, like, he was yeah. just such a warrior in that one. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately you're right. Like, and we've said this from the beginning, that his ceiling as a player kind of is very dependent on being someone who pulls from three pulls from deep from three off the dribble um and certainly at least on catch and shoots and he still passes them up more than you'd like mm-hmm. but um but yeah i mean I, I i've been pretty pleased with darius's game so far the turnover numbers haven't really gone down which is concerning but i also i don't know may, maybe this is just wishful thinking and they've won more than they've lost uh, as of late, they've won five of seven, which it doesn't really feel that way to me. No. I feel like they haven't played uh, th- that well. Five of um, seven, eh? God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like there's that, been a that, lot that more. That does sound ridiculous, but you're right. Yeah, I, I feel like they've. it hasn't been as good as that as that looks, even though you know the, the numbers don't lie. Um, I do feel like the complete lack of plan turnovers are down, mm-hmm. and we're back to like, normal point guard turnover games which sometimes are just you're gonna have them so uh i've overall been very pleased with darius's general fight while the team has been you know kind of adrift at sea however we probably should spend some time talking about his backcourt mate donovan mitchell who comes back against the lakers and gets the line a bunch but Mm -hmm. cannot score and obviously has a pretty disastrous down the stretch uh end of game uh joining the rest of the team on that front uh goes four of 18 from the field but gets the line 13 times for a respectable final total and then this one you know another really brutal uh outing four of 17 from the field um and man does og and obi have his number it feels um but you know what are your what are your thoughts on on donovan because you know Obviously, a lot of people frustrated at the end of the last Lakers game. Uh, you know, I didn't see as much fr- grump tonight. Uh, you know, I, I think it just was clear. It's it's a hard... They've got one of the best perimeter defenders in the league guarding him. It's already a hard matchup. Andy didn't have his touch. You know, there were some things to nitpick. You know, he fell asleep on a Gary Trent. A wide, wide, wide open corner three that he just didn't happen to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know... Like what? What are your thoughts on on Donovan? Um, kind of how how he's been playing as of late. Yeah, when he's I think been there. I think overall this season it hasn't. Even though the end results are very similar to what we saw last year, I, I think how he's been getting there has been different and, and hasn't been as conducive to team basketball. Now this is another one of those situations where we all understand the context. We all understand that Darius has been out. We understand that he's been dealing. Uh, with that hamstring issue and his missed time, we we get that, right? Like, and, and I, I think all of that is relevant and that might just be what's going on uh, is that he just needs to, to get back to himself and get healthy because once again, this feels like January of last year where we were dealing with a lot of the same issues and it looked the same way. Um, but one of the things that, you know, jumps out to me is when we do go through these stretches of not moving the ball, not playing team basketball. Often that's when he's really trying to put the team on his shoulders. And, you know, it's the good and bad of his confidence, right? Like the confidence to go out there and say, all right, I'm going to go win this game against the Lakers. Um, and I will live or die with, with the results here. That's what makes him a great player. That's what makes him so dynamic. That's what makes him an all NBA player is that level of confidence. But Playing within the team concept and and making sure that guys are getting touches is going to make his life easier. And it definitely seems like throughout this season, he's made life a little harder on himself. 
um, NBA.com tracks the percentage or, uh, or frequency of field goal attempts relative to the dribbles that you've taken. Last year, he took 21.2% of his shots with zero dribbles. This year, it's down 6% almost to 15.8. The frequency of field goal attempts after seven or more dribbles went from 24.9% last year to 30.3%. So you basically have 6% of those catch and shoot or cutting no dribble field goal attempts being replaced with seven or more dribble attempts. And the fact that his efficiency is still as high as it is goes to show you what a phenomenal player he is. And again, a lot of this can be related to not playing alongside Darius as as often, right? Like Darius is going to make guys' lives easier. We, we've seen it throughout his tenure with the Cavs. But I think that's one of those things that's worth kind of identifying and keeping an eye on. Um, because I, I think, you know, it's going to cause him to wear down and it's going to cause him to be less effective in those, hey, Don, go get us a bucket situations at, at the end of the games, right? Like you want him to be as fresh as possible in those situations. Yeah, I, I completely agree with your read. I think all that context is important and properly applied. But I will say, even anecdotally, just even in the minutes where Dar- he is sharing the floor with Darius, I'm seeing a little bit more of... I'm initiating the offense. I'm kind of starting and finishing the play without as the primary ball handler. That, that's again, at that least, might be Darius not feeling 100%. Yeah. And hey, I'll yeah, that's take what this I one, buddy. Feel. <laughs> yeah. That's what I feel. I don't have, you know, it's not, I don't think we can sort those stats for, you know, Donovan with Darius minutes. Yeah. So, like, some of this is going to have to be somewhat anecdotal and kind of the way that you're reading what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think, like, when you look even tonight's game, in the second half, like, I don't, he didn't have a good first half or a second half. You know, he went four of 17 from the field. I think he would tell you as much. But what I would say is the offense he played in the second half, for the most part, was a lot better. Yeah. Um, the process I, I think, was better. I think, you know, he, he got that, that layup off the cut. Uh, I think it was off of Darius feed. Uh, he took a catch and shoot three where he drifted to the top of the key to get a clean look. Um, He's a really, really gifted off-ball player when he's engaged in that way, you know? Something that I remember last year when he when he joined the team, I was so impressed by the running start he would give himself off of Darius feeds where he would kind of catch the ball already with, like, it was almost like a wide receiver going into motion. Um, and, like, I just feel like we haven't really gotten to see that much this year. I, obviously, a major part of that is that their point guard hasn't been around. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, or when he's been around, Donnie hasn't been around and vice versa, but like, it is, I think worth noting and something that like, it's it right now, because the sample size is so limited because of all that context, we don't really get to see it. We don't really get to know, but it is something I want to see, like start to improve. I want to see, uh, you know, the zero to three dribble attempts go up because the team should be able to structure that, you know, like. A straight line drive for a Donovan Mitchell, if he catches the ball and attacks and goes straight to the rim, that's probably around three dribbles. Yep. Like, so like it, it's a, it's either symptomatic of like a play style or even just the overall health in, of the offensive structure. If he's getting more and more of those attempts, like I really think a five to seven dribble field goal attempt should be kind of the last thing you look for, unless you have just. Unless you're getting easy switches and mismatches, which that's a different uh, that's a different thing entirely, and I don't think that's really represented a lot of those those attacks. Yeah, you, you, going from a quarter of your field goal attempts to almost a third is a significant shift. And um, again, it would be really easy for us to just say, "Hey, maybe they just need to get healthy," right? Like we, you, you listen to very smart basketball people like Nikaias and Zach Lowe when, when they were asked about the Cavs or when that segment came up, they're like, I can't really read into any of this. Like they, they're the roster's awesome. The, the fit makes sense. They just need to get healthy. We can't really go off of it. Like if we just did that, like this podcast would be the length of a TikTok. Like it wouldn't be very interesting. So I think diving into all this stuff, even with the understanding of the context that we have is still noteworthy because if it shifts later on, that's something that having identified that we can point to. And I do like to see, you know, 
I always keep an eye on, on the bench as well, like just uh, to see like engagement and stuff like that. And Donovan's jumping up. He he's active in the timeouts and all that. Like he he's uplifting to the teammates. So like I think the buy-in is there. It's just you know it's his default, right? When when things aren't going well, uh, he wants to put the team on his shoulders and, and give them. The, the kind of support that they've come to expect, the, the kind of support that we get from our sponsor, Zoom. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Carter, I got to tell you, the thing that made this game so sweet, and frankly, I think it has justified the signing to me with just this one game, has been Tristan Thompson getting offensive rebounds against the Toronto Raptors, which is like the number one, like I felt like I was back in the playoffs. Toronto being frustrated as hell, the times that the Cavs missed, Tristan's there pulling down a rebound, kicking it out. We're hitting a three. It was an old school flashback. And the fact that we brought the junkyard chain into the mix when it comes to the Cavs, TT not being on the team for that era and not having an opportunity to go out there and earn the chain was heartbreaking to me. So the fact that he went out there and he got it tonight and he got it against Toronto Signing justified in my heart. I, I know he's played well all year, and, and he, he's given them valuable minutes, and he's been really good. But this one in particular, this means something different to me, buddy. Eight, point, eight minutes, four offensive rebounds, four assists, four points. Like, just... that. Just, Retire uh, both uh, of his numbers, damn it. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he was awesome. Uh, it was really, really cool to see him... It was almost like he had he sat down with with the team and said, "Guys, we don't get punked by Toronto. We punk Toronto. That is <laughs> that is the Cavaliers' way." And I won't have my legacy of you know LeBronto and several playoff series in a row uh, just absolutely destroying their will. I won't have that besmirched by the next era of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he went out and made sure. I, I really do think he swung the game. Uh, just by being out there. Um, he even looked at the bench and all their plus minuses were positive pretty much because they were on the court with Tristan uh, in, in that uh, <laughs> during that stretch where he kind of flipped the game for them. Uh, so, uh, you know, the utmost respect to TT. I think he had, he, I, I think we hoped he'd have a little left in the tank, you know, uh, and this does kind of feel like the right deployment of him. What yeah. JB has done over the last couple games you know they're early on in the season it was like oh we're we're relying on him a little more than i want to be relying on him and you could start to see some of the cracks showing but when you just have him when you just say hey tt go in for six minutes uh beat some people up throw some elbows get us a couple extra possessions and uh and we'll, we'll get you a nice ice bath at the end of the game like that feels like the right utilization for him and uh, I think he's really thriving when he gets that opportunity. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's nice on a night like tonight where, you know, Jared Allen gets in foul trouble and, and you need to give him a breather. You need to give Mobley a breather. Uh, the fact that Tristan can come in and handle some of these matchups, I, I think, is really, really nice to have. Like, he was big against Philadelphia too, right? Like, he didn't play a ton of minutes, but gives you 14 minutes. You, you win those uh, minutes by four. Um, you, you know, you have him as an option against uh, Nick Jokic in Denver. I always like that John Michael calls him Nick. I, I think he's the only one that does it, but I, I, I want to continue that as a little tribute to him. Like the, the fact that Tristan come come in there, those minutes didn't necessarily go great, but um, I thought him individually competed hard in those minutes. Like it's really nice to, to see him out there and um, giving them that little bit of depth. Um, obviously, you know, you, you would have liked uh, for Damian Jones to make a little more of the minutes that he had and um, maybe those opportunities will come later in the year, but uh, to have your backup plan in Tristan Thompson really kind of come through in the way that he has, has been encouraging. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think uh, I, I couldn't agree more with that read there and I won't lie. My eyes raised a little bit when the presumptive last roster spot went to another center. Um, mm. It was one of the things we talked about after we got past the initial excitement. Just of obsessed with big man. Uh, well, you know, we, we obviously we, we originally are excited because TT's back and we love TT and he helped us win a title. And then we were like, Hmm, is this really where you want to invest that last roster spot? You know? And, uh, you know, with it, with, you know, Ricky's status in question and all that stuff. And yeah, yeah, it, it, it it's been exactly what they needed, you know, mm -hmm. like it's going to be a little bit of a crapshoot with that fourth, fifth big spot. So why not have a couple options to see who steps up and wins the minutes? And Tristan certainly won those minutes. So been really, really pleased with him. I think uh, also George Niang bears a shout out. Yeah. Uh, he did not have his most efficient gaming with three of nine from the field in this one. But prior to that, I think it was five straight games in double figures, uh, mm -hmm. four straight games in double figures. Um, three but, point percentage, almost up to 36% for the year. He's, he's all reliable. He, he's going to get back up to 40. I, I believe in him. Yeah. The minivan is humming. It's starting to, you know, it, it took, it took the key turning over a couple times. Couple trips around the block. Like he yeah, said, you know, yeah, you yeah, yeah. To rev the engine up a little bit as you, as you got into gear, but, uh, you know, maybe power steering wasn't working right when you got started, but it's, it's moving. The, the, <laughs> the van is moving and like, I think he's doing what you need him to do. Uh, mm -hmm. He is, he has been a gravity uh, mover. Um, he is now hitting enough contested and semi-contested threes that you feel okay about the defensive deficiencies. I think the rebounding's been a little better than expected. And when he guards those bigger bodies, I think he does an okay job. Like tonight, uh, there were some plays where. They just said, "Hey, George, just you take Pirtle. Like you, you're you're at least wide." Uh, and yeah. I thought he did a good job fighting him off uh, on a lot of possessions and kind of just hand fighting and being tough. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel like he, you know, I, I feel like with players like this that you know have a really rough start to their Cavs career, they almost get graded on too harsh of a curve for the remainder of the season. The, the Jameson curve. Yeah. Well, that, let's let's not invoke that for poor George. But no, uh, I, I'm saying like, I, I, yeah. listen. Part of the deal being a Cavs fan is we have a lot of collective trauma, and we carry that into every single situation. I sure as hell do. Maybe I should I shouldn't talk for everyone. I will talk for myself. I carry a lot of collective trauma, Carter, and I, I think a lot of our listeners can identify with that. Yeah. So I I'm still seeing you know on my Twitter timeline if he had you know the drives never feel that good. You know they yeah. just aren't. That's just not who he is, and that's not. Really really who it's not going to really be a thing that makes you feel like super hyped that he's admit doing a rim attack. But like, I, I think like I would kind of challenge our listeners to like, you know, throw away that first couple weeks and just kind of watch what is actually happening. And I think what you'll see is like a pretty helpful player. Yeah. Um, he is of my Cavaliers gripes when they're not playing well, he is not high on, on the list. And yeah. if anything, I would say some of these drives, that he's had are kind of symptomatic of the lack of health of the offense. Otherwise where mm. it's like, okay, well, no one has an ad advantage and he's got the ball with nine seconds left and a, a semi hard closeout. So I guess he might as well 
dribble it at the hoop and, and he gets by them and the floater yeah. i don't really think bad. he yeah. wants to i don't really think he wants to drive i think it's really i think sometimes you have to look the at right like basketball play like that's yeah in that situation like what do i have what are you know i'm being tossed up it's not quite a grenade with the pin pulled but it's close and like <laughs> we're not finding uh and if i if i like try to dribble into another handoff i'm probably just going to be handing the grenade to someone else like I, I'm not saying that, you know, every single rim attack has been like crazy justified, but I do think like I I think I'm pretty pleased with the way he's been playing for the last like two weeks for the team. Yeah, I, I agree. And I want to play a little bit of a game with you, Carter, do a little bit of trivia oh. um, because it, it scratches two, two of my edges. One, I love just being dudes sitting around naming old basketball players like that's something I'm here for. But I'm going to give you eight names and I, I want to see if you know what they all have in common. Semi Erden, Matthew Della Vadova, Luol Deng, Jared Cunningham, Channing Fry, Larry Sanders, Dwayne Wade, and Dylan Windler. Do you know what they have in common, Carter? Uh, that was too many names too fast. Just tell me. <laughs> they are the last eight players to wear number nine before it gets retired for Craig Porter Jr. Oh, wow. <laughs> Our boy is cooking. He did not get to play uh, against Toronto, but... When you talk about guys that have really stepped up over this stretch, I think Craig Porter Jr. is a guy that absolutely deserves a shout out. Uh, I've been completely blown away. Um, he has been a ton of fun. I, I think tonight, maybe I, if I had to guess on the mentality was, all right, we really need this damn win. Darius is playing well, uh, trying to get Donovan out. Von Karras is, you know, playing his minutes and, and trying to get a, a coral minutes as well. Plus, you only get 50 games uh, when, when it comes to these two-way guys, and he's already played quite a few. Um, but so he was Pick active, so <laughs> we used one. I think he has to actually play, right? Are you sure? I think if you dress, you're, you, it counts. Then I'm wrong. How but, about that? <laughs> uh, well, we'll definitely check the CBA after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. I mean, we won't, we won't check. Let's be real. This guy's earning a, a contract at some point. It's a matter of when, not if. Whether it comes this year or next, this guy is an absolute pro, and I, I'm very, very excited to, to see how well he's been playing. Uh, we should you know what's kind of cool with him is he was not good in the Miami game. I thought that was his first like wake-up game where I'm like, oh, this is not, this doesn't feel very good. And the minutes, it feels like that was the first time a scout was out on him. Kyle Lowry was playing about 40 feet off the ball, you know, all that Spoke, stuff. Man. And he had 16, five, two and one. <laughs> <laughs> That's still Spoke pretty good. That's still pretty good. Like Miami, we, we said this prior to the game occurring, but like Miami's the last team you want to play on the second night of a back-to-back when it's three games or four nights and you're traveling between each of them playing an overtime game against Philadelphia was like just another the most emotional win. Yeah, just like that. That's just another wrinkle in there. But Miami is the absolute last team you want to play in that because, you know, Spo is going to have that game plan out there. He's going to have that scout out there for Craig Porter Jr. And Miami is not a team that plays fast as all. They're 23rd in pace. But they came into that game being like, Cavs are tired. We're going to run like crazy. Bam's out. Let's run. Because we we have such a, a rest advantage in this situation, and we know their fatigue. Let's just really push the pace. We don't have Bam, who, who's the focal point or, or one of the main hubs to our offense. We don't have Hero. Run, 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 jack up threes. And and I was just really impressed by the, the way that they attacked the Cavs in that way. But you're right. They made life a lot more difficult for Craig Porter Jr. And uh, that's one of those situations where it's like, all right, like maybe little bit of a reset adjust to what they were doing and he's going to continue to get his opportunities because that was one of the things that came out of practice this week was jb bickerstaff said that uh craig has done enough to you know earn the opportunity to compete for minutes and, and to compete for a spot in the regular rotation and i think it's absolutely deserved the the way that he's able to contribute on both ends of the court um you know i, I think the playmaking could use a little bit of refinement um, but it, he makes the, the, the smart read. Here's, in, here's the, the thing. I actually, the only refinement I'll say is just pass the ball harder, Craig. <laughs> he just gets turnovers where he, he kind of floats passes to guys coming up to the top of the key and NBA players just, you know, that that's chum in the water. But other than that, like, I think the playmaker has been really, really good. He's yeah. under control. Um, he really doesn't dribble himself into a corner too often. And like, 
man, just the veteran style plays he makes, uh, you know, in that Philly game, I was just so freaking impressed by, you know, both of his, you know, both his comfort in attacking, but not in predetermining. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're going full speed, it's really hard to have to, to have a decision tree. And yeah. there are so many plays in that game where he, you know, like I think about the play in transition where Embiid was on the trailer and he was getting ready to belt that layup. He would like Embiid, like talk about blood in the water. Like Embiid was ready to block the crap out of it. And instead CPJ just slams the brakes, kind of hits the, uh, you know, a semi floater and, and gets the easy bucket. And then at the end of the game, he obviously, you know, the highlight play is he goes straight into the MVP's chest and get and gets a layup to put the team in front. But on the next possession, he gets another rim attack that feels really, really good. And instead of just saying, hey, I just scored, I'm going to go score again, he just makes an easy dump-off pass to Jared Allen on the wing for, for a little floater, and they kind of ice the game from there. Like, that is the kind of high IQ play that, like, you just have to be so freaking excited about because again, he's not pre presetting what he's going to do. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. He's reading what the defense is giving him, and he is playmaking. Yeah, and, and that Jared Allen floater uh, uh, that Craig set up there was just so significant. Like, it was great uh, to, to see him show that the, the poise that he showed in that game. Um, you know, it was fun listening to Stan Van Gundy kind of fawn over his game. And um, that, that was one of those nights, too, where you, you go on Twitter after the fact and draft Twitter's just sitting there arrogant as hell, as they often are, just being like, we told you guys. We told you guys that this guy is a pro that, that you know, overlook the age. He's someone that can go out there and contribute. And I think that was a really smart note, Carter. I think that was a smart correction there where you say he's just got to put a little more zip on that. And that might just be getting used to playing with NBA defenders and, you know, the the speed, the length, the ability to cover ground, um, just making sure that that zip is there. And, you know, that's that's a lesson that Darius has to learn, too. Like too frequently, he kind of has those little finesse and touch passes that, that can go for for six the other way. Um, but yeah, I, I was so damn impressed. Obviously, the bucket over Embiid uh, was one of the highlights of my night. And Dude, so strong. And like, just he's such a top tier athlete, man. Like, not a lot of guys can go straight into it. Like, it was a little like Westbrookian in the sense that he just hung in the air for like a full second after taking the bump to kind of reestablish where he is and then just gently lay it in. Like, Embiid was guarded that well. It's just that, you know, he's just a really, really great athlete. For, for his position, for his size, and he's able to generate really clean angles to, to you know, make that worthwhile. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, too, like, you'd think that this is a guy that has some massive wingspan or something like that. Like, his wingspan's smaller than Darius's. He's just such a plus athlete that, that he's able to, you know, sky in the air and, and pick off those balls and, and uh, compete for the, the rebounds and whatnot. And 
I just really like his versatility. And I, I think that, you know, his ability to play off of different guys and bring something to the table, like that's, that's really, really valuable, right? Like when you're trying to look at these young players and all right, what's the plus skill set that they don't necessarily have? Well, you know, a freak athlete at the guard position that plays uh, both ends of the court, that's really, really important. And that's a, a positive trait to have uh when you look at someone like Amani Bates who had an awesome game with the charge 29 points hitting just ridiculous threes um and four blocks four blocks for our dude but uh obviously like the the three-point shot making is something that you can just circle and say all right that alone makes him an NBA rotation player at some point and it's just going to be a matter of you know continuing to get him stronger and understanding the team concepts defensively yeah he is and then like it it does feel like the book is out on the lack of jump shooting. You know, Miami made him take five threes, and to his credit, he hit he hit two of them. He's now up to three for six for the year. So, uh, you know, 50% three-point shooter, Craig Porter Jr. Yep. Um, but, like, he's not so afraid to shoot, you know? He, he did that wild, like, spin move into pull-up three against the Lakers, where it's like, who the heck? Or who the heck do you think you are, pal? Do, do you like, know? You know what that shot was? That shot is the shot that someone randomly will hit against us when we're in one of those weird games where it's just you know bad shot luck that everyone yells at us for and whatnot. It's always the guy that's attempted one three on the year that hits a turnaround spinning fall away three point shot. Yeah, well he did it. Um, <laughs> We finally got one believe. of those. <laughs> I just could not believe he took that shot. That was just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I feel like the confidence for him is getting higher and higher. Um, I totally understand why he didn't play in this one. JB, you know, didn't in the post game kind of said it wasn't, um, you know, indicative of something to come. He's just working guys. And I also think Toronto is a tough matchup yeah. for, for him. Sim- similar to so Miami, big. right? Yeah. Yeah. They're just so big. And, you know, uh, some of that physicality, I think, is it would be would have been tough for him when his physicality is one of his strengths. So it's like I, I get why he didn't play, but I do hope it doesn't, you know, pretend anything in the future. Like, I would love to see him get a shift on Trey Young uh, in this in-season tournament game coming up. I, I want to see him continue to get a shot. I still feel like and like, you know, I hope that this coaching staff kind of, you know, looks to identify what happened to the offense in that second quarter, often with Darius on the bench and says, Hey, especially while Donovan's working his way back to a hundred percent, let's help him. Let's bring a point guard out there to play with them, especially when, you know, the lineup math works when we have enough shooting out there to help. Um, because I feel like they're, they're a team that needs offensive decisiveness and playmaking more than just about every other skill set right now, especially given what the rest of the roster strengths are. So I, I kind of hope we get to see him uh, on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I, I hope so too. I, I think especially against the team that has dynamic guards like Atlanta, I, I think you, you're going to want to see him out there to, you know, make them work defensively. And um, especially with Isaac Okoro working his way back. Um, I, I think we should touch on Okoro. Obviously it's great to see him back out there. He was, one of the brightest spots of the early start to the season. And I liked his game against the Lakers. I, I thought he was competing out there. Um, the, the fact that he even played second night of a back-to-back was a little bit surprising, only 10 minutes tonight. Um, but obviously the one thing that jumped out to me is the assertiveness to to go out there and, and pull those shots and, and just the overall activity isn't necessarily there. Uh, I think that's what you would expect um, after missing a significant amount of time with that knee injury and, know being in on on a minute of restriction and whatnot um but in order for him to again mesh within the team we're going to need to see the the isaac that that we saw to start the year right being a willing three-point shooter not just taking the the one three in the two games um there was a few too many record scratches against the lakers where the the ball moved to him and the advantage was lost because there was hesitation Whereas before it was either a three-point shot or he was attacking uh, baseline and attacking the closeout quicker than he did. He still got by guys uh, on the closeout, even though he didn't attack immediately. But it's the quickness that you want to see the decision-making. I think that's one of the differentiating factors that takes his game from being, all right, impactful defender that's helpful in some other areas to the very encouraging 
player that we we saw to start the year. Yeah, yeah, I I, I really don't want to weigh in too much on, on ice yet for that reason. Yeah. I just feel like he hasn't really gotten enough run. Um, but you know, ultimately, I'm I'm excited to see kind of where where he goes. Yeah, yeah, it's on the very long list of things where there's context. We understand why it's happening but it's something that needs to change. And that that has really been what it is uh, for the Cavs. It's going to be interesting to see what comes of this week because, you know, they're, they're playing Atlanta. Jalen Johnson being out, I think, is really significant. I think there's an argument that he's been the third most impactful player on Atlanta start the year, but uh, Trey Young and DeJounte have been playing great. They're going to be looking to get back to 500 uh, in-season game, uh, in-season tournament game. So, you know, this is a must-win for the Cavs in, in that regard. And, you know, it's a game that could potentially, you know, turn around some of the vibes too, because Atlanta is a team that has been frustrating to play. These teams do not seem to love playing one another. So as much as I'd like to see, you know, the in-season tournament games being between divisions, create rivalries and all that, this is one that's got that built in. Uh, so for the Cavs to, to get a win against Atlanta and then having the games against Portland and Detroit... If you can turn this into a four-game winning streak, that that would really, really be significant and, and could, you know, maybe cure some of the ills w- with this roster. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I also want to see them advance the in-season tournament. It's going to be pretty tough. Um, I think they're going to have to uh, probably leapfrog the Knicks or the Heat for the wild card, uh, which means, like, I, the reality is you probably got to win this game by, like, 15, 20 points. Um, which will be hard. Um, yeah, you know, really I, good. Um, they're, they're, they're really good, but they're, they're, they are capable of playing really good. And we're a team that is capable of playing not good at times yep. too. Right. Yep. So I, you know, I think, uh, I'll be geeked. I actually will, you know, like in terms of whether or not the, the in-season tournaments mission is accomplished, I'm going to be paying attention to the differential. And, you know, if we're up, eight at the end of the game i'm going to be like guys push it Mm. uh you know i want to see them qualify i think it would be a really nice galvanizing force for this team yeah you you Uh, and demarco rosen are going to be looking at the point differential yeah that could that certainly could be you that uh you know so i i would like to see them do well and then you know this is a really big stretch for them um you know they have a lot of winnable games coming up uh obviously i haven't i we probably should ask our our dear friends the Cavaliers because I, I have no clue how the how this stretch of in season uh, games get scheduled if they don't advance into the into the bracket. But you know, because like if you look, I'd at love the schedule, to know who look, we're playing. You know, I love. Yeah, to look it at looks the like they have nine days off, but they certainly do not between <laughs> the second and the eleventh. But versus Atlanta, versus Portland at Detroit, you're right. That should be a four game winning streak yeah. if this team wants to be who they are, who they want to be. That should be a four-game winning streak. It's it's two two of those two of those games are at home, um, and then obviously you know we'll see kind of how the draw plays out, uh, whether they make the tournament or they don't from from there or knock make the knockout phase or they don't. But like even on the other end of that, it's actually not too bad through end of year. Yeah. You got you got uh, at Orlando, which man Orlando's killing everyone. They're they they've won seven in a row, and then two at Boston, but then it's versus Atlanta, versus Houston, versus Utah, versus New Orleans, at Chicago. Like, there's a lot of winnable games through the end of the year. Yeah. Um, And, like, this kind of feels, again, like, when we talked about, like, you might not thrive in the first trimester of the season. You got to survive. If you're going to have ups and downs, you got to capitalize on the stretches where you have, you know, some a favorable schedule and, you know, maybe make up some ground. Like, you can't just stay at the, you know, they can't hang at 500 for for forever. Yeah. They're going to need to make a push. Yep. Totally agree. And, you know, I, I was looking at this where I'm like, all right, how, how long can we kind of get this stretch going? Because obviously after Atlanta, that's that's going to be the big one. But then you got to take care of business against uh, Portland and Detroit. I was looking and I was like, really a road back to back against Orlando and Boston right after? What is going on here? That's that is miserable. And, and I really hope that when, when the schedule for the nine day stretch comes out, that that doesn't turn into a third and fourth game in, in four or a second and third game in, in four nights. Uh, hopefully they get a little bit of rest because Orlando, as you said, is playing great basketball. And 
Uh, obviously, you want to see the, the Cavs um, compete against Boston and, and tell, test themselves in that way. So hopefully they, they can turn things around. We will be going live after the Hawks game. I hate doing a podcast when we only have one game to talk about, but I, I think that game is going to give us plenty to talk about, um, including whether or not the Cats are still alive in the in-season tournament. So big thanks to everyone that tuned in live on YouTube. Nice that we get to do this after a win. If you want to support us, like and subscribe. Click the notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast and you want to support us, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go Cavs. Traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.